Welcome to the Southland Christian Ministries podcast. Here we will post sermons that have been spoken at the camp from pastors, evangelists, and other gifted speakers. We desire to provide this resource to help you saturate yourself with the Word of God on a regular basis. We pray that you would allow the Spirit of God to use the Word of God to change your life for God's own glory. blessing it is to be away like this and then enjoy the ministry that people are providing for us. And I feel like um, all the, the purposeful ministry before the preaching has been such a blessing to me. Um, you know, to listen to the brass group. I mean, just think through this. Here we are. We're a group of, I don't know, 80 people or so. But to have a group present a brass number like that it's outstanding. I mean, they are excellent. And then all of the singing that we've enjoyed, um, the groups that have presented, it's just really ministered to me. So I have thoroughly enjoyed what's taken place. And then just interacting with you all. So thank you for the, I don't know, just the kindness. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun for me. It, it is amazing too how quickly these go by. They go by really fast. And um, so here we are, you know, we're going to wrap up soon and then we'll be on our way. But by God's grace, we'll have taken some things, um, I don't know, through a lot of different settings, maybe just a conversation that you had while you're walking, you know, around the lake or whatever, that will have been a meaningful investment in your marriage and certainly in your Christian walk. Um, and then hope you played, um, hope you played fairly last night. I walked around and saw things. I did deduce some things. This is only a fair, um, nonpartisan observation that it was primarily the ladies that were cheating. So I did notice that through the course of just walking around, seeing what was happening. It did disturb me a little bit, but I'm going to leave that between you and the Lord and um, some things for you to walk out maybe on the way um, on the way home today. And uh, uh, how many of you have already had your first cup of coffee today? First cup. OK. Any of you feel like you're kind of a cup short right now? Okay, a lot of you do. Let's try something then just before we jump in. Let's um, let's see how alert, how sharp you are. So let's do this today. Okay, so you're gonna have to put your coffee down for a second. All right. And um, let's uh, yeah, let's we'll start out seated, but in a minute we'll probably have to stand. So just to get things figured out. Okay, just so we're all we know what we're doing. Let's take our hands. We're going to go just like this. Okay. So your hands just like this. this is not very complicated. All right. So like this, here's what's going to happen. When my hands cross, yours don't. Okay. When my hands cross, you're just going to clap one time. All right. So let's practice. Ready? Good. And then if they cross again, you clap. Yeah. You got it. Okay. Ready? Here we go. No. Okay. So if my hands cross, I said that one time already, okay? All right, here we go. If my hands cross, you clap. Still no. Okay, <laughs> he needs coffee. All right, ready? Here we go. If they cross, good. Ready? No, no, no. Okay, here we go. <laughs> that was really late. <laughs> that was so late, okay? You can't go like this. Like that. You can't do that. That's not what we're talking about. So you have to stay with me if my hands cross. Ready? Here we go. Good job. That was pretty good. One of you like, oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. 
<laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> You're bad. <laughs> You're bad. <laughs> Stay with us. Keep trying. There's hope. Probably not much, but there's hope. You ready? Here we go. Okay. Ooh. Okay, let's see. I think I have, yeah, I have five bucks. Five bucks, all right? So let's all stand. All right, stand. Oh, this is going to be hard. You guys can't see well in the back, can you? All right, sit down. Just be honest. Oh, that's not going to work. You guys are going to cheat like crazy. All right, maybe we'll have you stand in a few minutes. But, but if you clap and it was a non-clapping moment, you're out. Okay, ready? Here we go. You're out. It's <laughs> too easy, all right? Okay, let's start over. You get a freebie, all right? Because we feel bad. Okay, and then everybody gets a participation award. <laughs> all right, here we go. Good job. Oh, did you get out? You're out. Okay. Okay, you're out. Now, if you wait so long to clap, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eject you from the game, okay? No, you're still in. I'm just giving you fair warning. Ready? Here we go. You got to go fast. Oh, a few more people out. You're out. Okay, ready? You didn't even clap one time. You just stood there like. I'm sorry, dear. You're out. <laughs> ready? Here we go. Who's still in? Okay, ready? Here we go. Ooh. Are you out? I am giving you a participation award. Okay. got the loud clap over here. Nice job. You should be a preacher. You know? Okay, here we go. Oh. The loud clap is gone. Who's still in? Okay, stand up if you're still in. Ready? Here we go. Now we're talking serious cash money. It's all ladies. It's all ladies. They all cheated, cheated, cheated. So disappointing. Well, now we're watching you. If you cheat now, we're, I'm not going to say what we're going to. Okay, here we go. You ready? Oh. See, there had to be some cheating going on before because. All right, you ready? Here we go. That is such a timid clap. That is just like. I don't know. It's just judges. I don't have any judges. Okay. Oh, it was my fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was then cheating. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three, four. Okay. Here we go. Ooh, is it good? You got to go fast. Ready? Here we go. Okay. Oh. Don't throw anything. She looked like she was frustrated. Three ladies left. Boom. Boom. 
applause to, ladies and gentlemen, our $5 winner. Listen to us all clapping. <laughs> Just keep it going. Good job. Well, hopefully, hopefully you're awake even without coffee. All right. Hey, there is a, uh, there's a beautiful old poem that you may have heard before. It says, to dwell above with saints in love, that will indeed be glory. But to dwell below with saints we know, well, that's a different story. <laughs> there is something about heaven and, of course, the fellowship that we're going to enjoy there that is beautiful, perfect. Uh, no interruption in the fellowship that we're about to enjoy. But there is something about this side of eternity where fellowship can oftentimes be all too easily interrupted. Um, I suspect that most in here, maybe not all, um, you guys are our newest couple. You guys have been married four months, okay? And then several in here married over 40 years. So, you know, I don't know what, what your... Um, what your marital history in four months is like, but I suspect that there may be sometimes. Have you ever had one of those drives where it's a really quiet drive? Where um, you, your eyes are just purely on the road? And um, if you're driving, husbands, and then your wife, she's just looking out the window at nothing, you know? And, um, and it's just one of those, like, there's not a lot of great fellowship that's going on. Or we're answering questions in, um, you know, just uh, monosyllabic, um, you know, <laughs> answers. Um, uh, salt, please, you know, and so pass the salt and here. And those kinds of tense uh, moments because there is something that is inhibiting the fellowship. Um, if you have children, most of the time someone will say at some point, they will say, oh, look at your, your child looks just like you. Now, I'm never good at this. When we go to the hospital to visit people with babies, my wife always says, oh, that child looks just like or has his mother's nose or, oh, look, that's his dad's ears or whatever, you know. And, and um, the only thing I can tell is if like the dad's bald, the baby, oh, he has his dad's uh, hairline. You know, that's the only thing. <laughs> I can usually figure out, but oftentimes people can, can uh, figure out similarities. There are some similarities that are supposed to be true about all of us to the one that we call our father. That people should be able to look at our lives and deduce who we belong to. It was always kind of humorous to us when we adopted our son. Um, you know, people would say all the time. In fact, I can remember one time we were in a store and and a, a father, a husband and wife were standing there, and Julie and I, and our son, were there. And, and um, someone said, um, the dad said, the man said, um, um, oh, look at, is that your son? And the wife kind of slapped him, and she said, of course it is. He looks just like him, you know? <laughs> and he's adopted. <laughs> we, we didn't say that to her. He's like, yes, it is our son. And, but there's supposed to be similarities because we reflect something. There is a passage of scripture, it's not our text for today, but in 1 John 3, verse number 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Okay, so once there's new life, there's new love. When, when we're born into the family of God, we have something that we didn't have previously. One of the identifying marks, in fact, it's been 
I don't mean to, to get into any controversial topic with this, but, but the identifying mark of, of the fellowship of believers is supposed to be that unbelievers come in and they see the unity of the spirit and the love of the same in our midst. It's not through spectacular signs and wonders. They're supposed to come in and be able to sense like, wow, I, I am in a really unique place. In fact, you'll probably hear people who come into your fellowship of believers. This is what should happen, that, that a, a person would come in and say, man, as soon as I walked in the doors, there was something very special about this place. Wow, that's the Holy Spirit of God, the unity of the Spirit, and the love of the same. Okay, so in a marriage relationship, there should be something that, um, that, a, that is identifiable, that other people could look at and see, wow, there's something dynamic about this relationship that, um, that is pleasant to be around, okay? Now, all of us have, you know, moments where, where we recognize we're still in this broken flesh, okay? That someday we're gonna put that off and someday we're gonna be in, in a place of undiminished love. But on this side of eternity, that's supposed to be our continual growing um, likeness. So a marriage really, over the course of years, whether it's four months now, like wow, there should be this ongoing growing aspect of something that is really beautiful to see. Have you ever watched, um, I'm sure you have, we all watch people. So, you know, I'm, I watch people in airports all the time. You know, if I'm sitting in an airport, you just watch people. I saw a couple. In fact, it was so interesting. I was about to preach on, um, on some aspect of love. And you know how people are waiting to see the person that they're, you know, you, 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 they're standing at the place where it's the, the non-secure area and their, their family or loved one comes out. And do you ever just love watching those reunions, you know? And I saw a couple and this reunion that they had, and it was just so beautiful. Like, oh, they're, they're together. And, and they, they were so longing to be together. And I don't know how long they'd been apart, but you could tell, like, this was a meaningful. And I commented to them, like, wow, sure was great to see. And they just, you know, kind of smiled. and Thank you. <laughs> you know, and they're, they're just happy to be together. And when we watch couples, there should be some aspect of they, they like being together. You know, there's something that's special about it. I, I feel badly when couples use the other um, at the other's expense for humor or what have you. And I know, that, listen, a good sense of humor with a couple is fun. And when there's this, this like, I don't know, this loving, you know, humor, that's all good. But but, you know, for someone to kind of look at his wife and say, well, you know, yo, you could learn something from that, you know, because they see someone else do something. And, hey, that's a good example for you or for her to say, why don't you ever do? I wish my husband would do that. Nice lesson. You know, it actually it, it actually provides some kind of tension in the room. Now we everybody feels a little badly because like, oh, that that was not so good. One of the things that actually continually draws us to our spouse is when our spouse brags on us a little bit, even publicly. 
like them. Well, let me tell you one of the things that, um, you know, that my wife does. And I tell you, I love the fact that Julie, you know, to, to brag on a little bit. And when Julie says like, oh, well, my husband's so good at, man, I'm just like, oh, all right, thank you, dear, you know. There's something meaningful, even publicly, about that kind of, like, hey, I, I want people to know why this person is special to me. Okay, so, so how is it that we typically respond to people, and we're going to kind of narrow that in specifically to spouses. How do we respond? Take your Bible, if you would, and I'd like you to join me in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter number 12. And we're going to address um, basically what we're going to find are four ways of response. And, and I think all of our responses could typically be grouped into one of these four responses. So we're going to be, you know, fairly practical today. And, and we're going to conclude with, like, there's only one way to produce this kind of response. And it is the evidence of our new birth. Remember, there's something that we call the produce, the fruit of the Spirit. Do you guys know what they are? Do you remember them? Let's try to say them together, okay? The, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And then I love the fact that it says, against such, there is no law, okay? There's no law, like love, ah, broke the law, then there's no law against this, okay? Against such, there's no law. And then the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the Bible talks about the works of the flesh. It's what our flesh naturally does. And the flesh always tries to imitate something. Has anybody here ever actually tried to take a bite of imitation fruit because it looks so real? Have you ever done that before? Or don't want to, you know, well, willing to admit it? Um, to take something that's imitation and you know, like, wow, that's so close. But clearly there is at some point the realization this is simply an imitation. The flesh imitates, the flesh works, but the spirit produces. Amen. It just grows. And it grows by our connection to the one who can make it happen. So let's look at some things and find what is connected to the spirit and what's just connected to us. Okay, your Bibles are open right now. Romans chapter 12. Let's start in verse number nine. Romans chapter 12. And let's start in verse number nine. <clears throat> okay. Great. Romans 12, verse number nine. Here the Bible says this. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Okay, so pause here for just a moment. Um, J.B. Phillips says about this passage, he says, really it's saying, let, no, uh, let us have no imitation Christian love. Okay, no, no thing that is not the product of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, let us have a genuine break with evil and a real devotion to good. Let love be without dissimulation. Let it be without hypocrisy. It's not just a show. It's not just something that we're putting on. Let love be without dissimulation. And then he says, hate that, abhor that which is evil, hold to that, cleave to that which is good. Okay, so listen, I'm going to discard this. I, I hate this. I know sometimes I do this, but I hate it. It is one of the marks of the Christian life, by the way, that before a person is, is saved, there is something of the embracing of the works of the flesh. Now, do you still do some works of the flesh? Yes or no? Amen. 
We do. Sadly, we do. But do you hate that you actually love doing some of the works of the flesh? I know those things sound contradictory, but they're really not. So something about the new life says, okay, I hate that. I don't want to do that. I know sometimes I do. And I know sometimes I want to. Like, don't you want to sometimes give a response that you know you shouldn't give? To give that little zinger because you know you can. And I can burn them right now. And, I'm, and I want to. But then when we look back on it, it's like, oh, I hate that I do that. Okay. So he says, abhor that which is evil. Okay. I know what that is. That's evil. Sometimes I do it, but I don't want to hold on to that. Cleave to that which is good. Hold on to this. Keep pursuing this. Keep growing in this. Keep knowing this is the direction that I want to go. Now, if any of us become just complacent about where we're at, we're going to naturally start to, to cleave to that which is evil. Right. We're going to start to, to hold to that which is evil, and we're going to let alone that which is good. The, the point I'm trying to make is don't become, I don't know, don't become comfortable with those things that we should hate. Amen. And we should hate that we don't treat our spouse the way that God actually treats us. We should hate it. Like, why do I do that? I don't like that I do that. I, I, I don't want this to be the definition of our relationship. I don't want to deepen the responses that I'm providing for my spouse that are anything but a reflection of God. So I have to continually hate those things. Call it what it is. That's sin. It's not right in my Christian walk and I hate it. And this is good. And I don't always do this. The things that I, I would, I, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, that I do. <clears throat> so, so we begin in this Romans chapter 12 by understanding, I don't want to be complacent and I don't want to be comfortable. I don't care what age or stage any of us are in. I have to go beyond what is comfortable or natural for me. Okay, then look at verse number 10. Again, I said this earlier. I don't know if you picked this up or if I gave it any attention, but this is, this is really my favorite a marriage counseling verse. I love this verse. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. Now look down at verse number 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Ooh, wow, now we're getting into some heavy stuff. I don't know that we oftentimes apply this to our spouse, but, but if we're going to talk about the realities of our interactions, sometimes there is some evil intent. Like, wow, they're, they're trying to say something that hurts. That, that was unkind. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Look down at verse number 17. Recompense, that is to give back, okay? I'm not, I'm, 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 you did this, I'm gonna do this. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible. Now, isn't this, a, isn't this an honest <laughs> acknowledgement of who we are? If it be possible, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, verse 19, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. 
Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, let's, um, let's look at the four ways that typically we respond. Way number one is good for good. Good for good. All right, that's a nice thing, isn't it? Good for good. Um, and we exist on this level in so many different ways. Now, there's not really, if we're honest about it, there's not something that is so difficult about a good for good relationship. So have you ever said about another person, they're so nice. Like, man, you know, so-and-so, I talked to so-and-so today after church. And your spouse says, oh, what'd you talk about? Oh, we talked about this. And, and then it just comes up through the course of conversation. They are so nice. Okay, do you like to be nice to nice people? Yeah. Of course we do, you know? Like, people are nice. And like, somebody treats you well at a, um, I don't know, have you ever... Have you ever become a little like frustrated at the service that you get at a fast food restaurant? Mm -hmm. Because it's, you know, it's just a little frustrating. But have you ever had someone in the midst of the, the frustration, like they just stand out and it's like, is there anything else I can get for you? And um, they come by and they check on you at a fast food restaurant, you know, and, and it's like that is so it just stands out. And you want to be nice to them because they're being nice to you. And we notice kindness, don't we? We notice little touches of kindness. We notice the initiative of kindness. When someone is doing good, we like to be, there's something that triggers inside of most people. And I'm not being silly about that, but inside of most people, if someone's being good to you, there's something inside of us that wants to be good to them. And you know, that works well with our spouse too. Okay, that works really well with our spouse. When our spouse is doing something good for us, there's something that starts to soften inside. Now, we might have had a hard day. We may have, might have been bothered by whatever. But have you ever had a little, let's call it what it is. Have you ever had a little argument? I don't know how you argue, but have you ever had a little argument? And then finally, one of the two softens and they start to show a little goodness, a little kindness. And that softens you. And so now, you know, like uh, whatever, their initiative, good. And then you seem to tend to respond to the good. Good for good. This is a lot of life. Sometimes there are people that are just kind of persnickety. I don't know if that's a word or not, but people that are challenging. And we say, I'm going to do good to that person to try to win them. And sometimes it actually works. Not every time, but sometimes because why? Good for good. The Bible says it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 46 and 47. Listen to what it says about this kind of arrangement. It's acknowledging it, but it's not really praising it. Okay, listen to what it says. Matthew chapter 5, 46 and 47. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Okay, now, it does acknowledge this. Okay, if this is all you're doing, he says, where's your reward? Now, we understand it. Like, okay, they were good to me. Oh, wow. They're, I like them. They're nice. You know, so-and-so, they're a good person. And we tend to respond in like fashion. He says, okay, if you love those people who love you, that's fine, but where's your reward? Amen. And then he goes a little bit further in the passage and he says, do not even, well, listen to who we just got compared to. Do not even the publicans the same? Gasp right there, okay? Like the publicans? I just got compared to the publicans? 
And yeah, that's exactly because do not even the publicans the same? He goes a little bit further and he says, and if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? And again, he says, do not even the publicans? So when Jesus is teaching in this fashion, it is, it is startling when he makes the comparison. He says, okay, listen, do you love only those people who love you? Well, of course, Jesus, that's who we love because they love us and we love them. And, and then he says, you know who you're like? You're like the publicans. <gasps> did he just say what I think he said? Yes, he did say what. Okay, this is startling to them because nobody wants to be compared to the publicans. But this is the level on which he's, he's making the comparison. Is good for good bad? No, it's just... It's just a human response, okay? A human response. In fact, it's probably even somewhat of a natural response. I read an article the other day about an animal. It was this, it's this rare bird and it was over in India and it was this large bird. They have like a five foot wingspan. It's kind of pelican looking and this guy was out in the field and this bird is laying there and it's bloodied. Anybody see this article? Um, I'm the only, I saw this and, I, and so I'm reading the article and he takes the bird, it's about to die, he takes it in and they bandage it and they start to care for it and feed it and this is a wild animal but he brings it into his home and, and the bandage had to stay on so long that after a while he finally takes the bandage off and the bird, like it's healing and then the bird can fly and, and he's just kind of expecting the bird's going to take off. The bird follows him around everywhere. It won't leave. It lives in their house, comes in the house. <clears throat> this is in India. The bird eats off the guy's plate. Still does this. He has this little moped kind of a motorcycle deal. He'll ride into town and the bird, five, six foot wingspan, flies behind the guy when he's riding into town. Why does the bird respond this way to this guy? Let me tell you, it's good for good. Do not even the birds the same? Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm saying all of that to just say there's nothing really miraculous about this. Now, we function this. Think about how often we function this way, that this is the only level that we get to. Good for good. Okay, so that is one way to respond. And I'm not condemning it. We just, God doesn't really praise it. He says, what reward have ye? Now, I do think that we should be good to people and, and, and it elicits some good from other people. But if that's the only means by which we function, okay, so the person at the, at the counter at the deli treated you poorly. Now, think about how sometimes we come back and, and we say, well, you know, okay, if it's only good for good, well, look at, let's, let's go a little bit further with that. This one is certainly not commendable, and that is evil for good. Evil for good. Okay, Psalm chapter 38, verse number 20 says this. They also that render evil for good are mine adversaries, because I follow the thing that is good. He says, listen, if, if they are rendering evil for good, wow, this is a, this is a terrible thing. You know, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, recompense to no man evil for evil. We're going to get there in a minute, but wow, evil for good? Like, like somebody treated us well, and then we responded because we were having a bad day. 
Um, have you ever just you just wanted to be bothered at everybody? Have you ever had that feeling before you wanted to be bothered? You didn't want to be kind. You you were on a mission and you just wanted to be upset. Do you know what that is? That's really evil for good. That, um, well, I had this happen. I had this happen. I had this happen. And I'm a little bothered about everything. You, everybody better be careful around me today. And, and at times, have you ever had an experience in, a, in, in the family where we even acknowledge, like the family acknowledges, hey, better be careful around so-and-so today. What are we saying? We're saying that it doesn't matter what you do. They're bothered and they're going to let you know it. Sometimes we say that at work about work settings, right? So at work, some, somebody like um, some, someone will come through the office and say, hey, be careful around so-and-so today. It ain't pretty. Okay. What's happening is no matter what's going on, no matter how people treat them, they have a predetermined response that they're going to give. That's evil for good. And certainly there's nothing commendable about this. And by the way, this is not reflective of the, the new birth. What, what we are supposed to be like, oh, wow, you look so much like your dad. Okay, th this is not reflective of the new birth. This is reflective of the old flesh. So we have a good for good response. Okay, we get that. That's nice. Not, not rewardable, but it's nice. We have an evil for good. This is a terrible thing. This, by the way, this was a Judas Iscariot kind of response. Even the disciples were bordering on this. Do you remember the passage of Scripture, the, the example? Matthew chapter 26, beginning verse number 7. The Bible says, There came unto him, unto Jesus, a woman bearing an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, poured it on his head and, as he sat at meat. But when the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? She just did some good thing for Jesus. The disciples' indignation, what, that, what a waste! Okay, do they know what they just said? Um, this should have been sold and, and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, why trouble ye the woman? Why are you doing evil to this woman who just did a good deed? For she hath wrought a good work on me. You just, you just provided evil for good. And then Judas, they, they're, they're reprimanded. Judas also is reprimanded, but he takes it to another level. Matthew 26, verse 14 then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest, said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him up to you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. From that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. That is pure evil for good. Okay, let's go a little bit further. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but, but evil for evil. And we all get this. We all get this. Have you ever said it with your mouth or have you ever said with your mind when your spouse does something? Have you ever said, OK, two can play at this game. You want to you want to play that game? Fine. I'm in. I know how to play and I'm pretty good at playing this game. So you started it. Oh, you're going to go there. You're going to bring that up. Fine. Let's talk about when. Okay. And then we've got our little arsenal ready to go. Right? What is this? This is evil for evil. Don't raise your hand, but anybody in here ever functioned that way in your marriage? Amen. Some of you are like, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, what happens to us? Is this reflective of our father? Okay, is this supernatural? This is pure, pure natural response. Okay. And when that's the way we exist, 
when this is the summation of our our marriage, then we are we are being yanked around, quite honestly, like a puppet on a string. Think about think about how controlled we are when when our responses are are they're nothing more than than just that a response to someone else's stimuli. So they they pull this string and that's how I'm going to respond. And they pull this string and that's how and I'm just like this little puppet on a string that's being controlled by the responses of my spouse. So they do evil. I'm right there, man. They do good. Oh, fine. Let's let's do the good thing for a while. This this is sad, but so often he says, "Okay, don't don't do evil for evil. Well, how do I not do evil for evil? I mean, how do I not do this? Because it is our immediate fleshly response. Our flesh says, hey, they're not going to say that to me. Okay, what's the thing that drives an evil for evil response? Did, Did he just say that to me? Does he know what I have been through today? Did she just make that face? Did she just give that little look in her eye? Did this just happen to, what is the primary driving force of our evil for evil response? Well, I think it's an an over um, uh, uh, estimation of self. And if we wanted to give it a real plain word, we would call that pride, pride. Do you remember in the Old Testament, again, I, I don't have the reference handy, but do you remember in the Old Testament it says only by pride, only by pride, only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. Like, oh, hey, advise me. How am I supposed to do this? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, long-suffering, gentleness, Goodness, faith. I believe in something beyond the immediate. Meekness. Oh, wow. Strength under control. Temperance. Self-control. Spirit control. Wow, there is some ability beyond the evil for evil. But good for good, not rewardable. Evil for evil, actually condemnable. And both of those are things that so often define our relationships in marriage. Good for good, evil for evil. And then we have to wait until someone initiates. If we're functioning on that evil for evil, wow, it's really hard. Now, some of you, again, I don't know, I don't know the marriages here, so I don't. So I'm not, I'm not trying to point anybody out. I just don't know them. But um, some of you are functioning really well on a good for good. You're, you're functioning well because most of the time my spouse does good to me and I do good to them and, and it just works for us. But it might not be a spirit um, filled goodness. It's just like I'm going to respond to them because they respond to me. And every once in a while you venture off into the, the evil for evil. Some of you are, are potentially functioning almost exclusively right now on an evil for evil. And it's really frustrating. It's really challenging because like, oh man, this is, this is where my life is, okay? Evil for evil. So it's not easy to get beyond. In fact, there's bitterness now because evil for evil. Something lodges, uh, seeds of bitterness. Um, bitterness comes from anger that's been unresolved. And so when anger, anger is the product of my personal rights, 
This, you, you crossed a line with me. So again, when, we, when our marriages are defined by evil for evil, the only way that's going to stop, the only way is if one of the two, it's great if two of the two, but if, if, it's only going to stop if one of the two breaks the cycle. Well, I've, I've tried that before and it didn't work. Again, you just, you just said something about God that's not true. So that's a really dangerous place. Like, okay, so I didn't do something or I didn't trust, I didn't, I didn't enact, I didn't engage something I'm not doing. So I have to figure out what am I missing because God's not the one who's at fault here. So if your marriage right now is functioning on an evil for evil basis, you, don't nudge your spouse, but you have to come to the point where you get to this next response. And it is the answer for your marriage. Well, what if my spouse never does it? It'll still work. I promise you, it'll still work. You say, well, what do you mean it'll still work? Your marriage will function if you will get to this next level and not live on an evil for evil. Well, what if my spouse, um, you know, okay, listen, stop worrying about what about my spouse. Focus on yourself. Do you know, again, in many times in marriage counseling, <clears throat> A person will come and what they want to talk about is the problems of their spouse. And then I'll ask this question. Okay, are they 100% responsible? Well, no. Okay. They're not 100% responsible, but well, how much are you responsible for? I don't know, maybe 20%. Okay, then let's work on the 20%. Well, 80%. I know, but can we do anything about that 80%? Well, I want you to do something about that 80%. <clears throat> but but so-and-so is not here. Let's just talk about the 20%. Okay, so what are the issues? What are your challenges with the 20%? Well, sometimes I, okay, let's work on that. So when we're talking about evil for evil, we're really not talking about who's mostly to blame or who's the biggest issue in the marriage. We're right now talking just about you and just about me. That's right. Okay, so what do we do? Let's go to the next one. And this is where, where the... This is where the reward is for the person who says, I want to look like my father. And that is a good for evil response. Amen. A good for evil response. Now, this is supernatural. This is dependent upon God. This spares us from bitterness. And this also does mean that we are being controlled. Okay. When we talk about the filling of the Spirit, what does that mean? We, we really could substitute that for another word. Um, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Okay, if we're talking about being drunk with wine, what does that mean? If a person like, oh, that person's drunk, it means they're being controlled, right, by alcohol. So they're just, they're, their body, their movement, their speech, their thinking controlled by alcohol. Really what he's saying is don't be controlled by that substance. He says rather be filled with, don't be filled with alcohol because it's going to control you. Instead, be filled with the Spirit because that is also the means by which you are rightly controlled. Like, oh, wow, some control in a way that defies what is natural. All these other responses, they are just human. I mean, they're natural, fleshly responses. Good for good. 
okay? Um, 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 evil for evil, evil for good. Those are all just human responses. But, e but good for evil? That is another level of response. And who does that look like when we see it? When Jesus hangs on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them, this is the epitome of good for evil. When Stephen, being filled with the Spirit, is drug out of the city after delivering the powerful message of the gospel, and he is stoned, and he, his eyes go up to heaven, and he sees the heavens open, and Jesus, by the way, first standing ovation recorded in Scripture. Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And, and now Stephen looks at those that are stoning him and says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Where does that come from? That comes from, and Stephen being full of the Holy Ghost, that comes from the filling of the Spirit. This is good for evil responses. And if it's possible for Jesus on the cross, we get it like, well, he's God. Yeah, but what about Stephen? Stephen is a reflection of the one that's trying to be reproduced inside of the, the life of every believer. Trying to be reproduced in, in your life and in mine. This is, a, this is a good for evil response. What happens when we start to produce this good for evil response? What is it, what's the dynamic that starts to take place with those that receive the good when they've given us evil? Well, the first thing that I see, first of all, of, of course, we disarm the, the opposition. We disarm them. It's like we're taking the weapons away. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 14, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Do you know what the word bless there means? It's eulogeo, eulogeo. It means, it means to eulogize. Now, I know we use that at a funeral. So I'm not saying, hey, kill the person. That's not what the Bible's saying. Bless them, eulogize them. What it's saying is, hey, you're speaking kindness to them. You're, you're actually blessing this person. This person has done wrong to you, I know. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Amen. We, we work really hard when someone infringes upon us, we work really hard, oftentimes in subtle ways, to, to um, bring their reputation into, into ill repute, okay? Well, you know, um, um, hey, what about so-and-so? Well, man, though, the way they talked to me last week, I, I don't know that I would make that recommendation. We're really subtle. The Bible says, bless them which persecute you. Now, I'm not saying that you lie what I am saying is, you know, one of the things I appreciate about so-and-so is, and then my response to them, listen, I know you're passionate about this, and I know this is really important to you, um, but I can't talk about it right now, but, but man, I do know this is important. I'm trying to respond in a way now that is a spirit-filled response that actually starts to disarm the person that is opposed to me right now, spouse included. Like they, they're, you can tell they are wound up. They are geared up for, you know, we're going to have it out. Okay, let's just, let's just get into it. And you say, no, 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 I'm not going to, I can't do that. I'm going to respond in a manner that is a, a good for evil response. And now it's not holding the other person. Um, it's not lording yourself over them. It's not, um, well, somebody has to do right, and so I'm going to be the one who does it, because apparently you are not. Okay, it's not that kind of a response. This is just a response that says, I, I want to do good for evil. Listen, I love you too much to have this conversation. I can't handle that. I can't do this right now, and I love you too much. 
to be able to have this conversation right now. That's a good for evil response. You say, well, I don't know if I can do that. I'm already telling you, you can't. But I do know someone who can. And I do know someone who wants to fill you. And you say, God, right now I need your Holy Spirit. Do you know one of the prayers that we should pray every day of our life is that I, I have this on my everyday prayer list, that, I, that my life would be an overflow of the Holy Spirit. Like fill me, put the, put the hose, so to speak, in the bucket and turn it on and let it fill the bucket and then overflow. It'd be like watering your garden that way, you know, to turn the, turn the hose on, put it in the bucket and then just carry the bucket around. And so the bucket always has something that's fresh and full. And then there's the overflow that waters the, 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 the necessary areas. What are we saying? What do I do when I am giving evil for good? I disarm the opposition. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Um, what else happens? Number two, we live on a higher plane which rises above retaliation. We start to live on a higher plane that rises above retaliation. Okay, again, the Bible says in verse number 19, dearly beloved. Okay, he, I love it when he starts with that expression, dearly beloved. I love you. This is for your good. This is, I'm not saying this because I don't deeply care about your well-being. Dearly beloved. And then he says, avenge not yourselves. Well, someone, I'm, you're not going to talk to me that way. Okay, what that's doing is that's, I got to protect myself. He says, no, don't avenge yourself. You know, don't, don't say, I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to hurt you like you just hurt me. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Now listen to this phrase. This is a powerful expression. And when we start to get this, it's like, oh, that makes sense. But rather, okay, instead of avenging yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. Do you know what that means? That little expression means, okay, make some, give them some room. Make some space for. Rather give place. Okay, I've got some area marked out because I know that at times I'm this person and I know that at times I come on and I do things and I say things I shouldn't say. And my spouse actually makes some room for me with that. Rather give place unto wrath. Give it some space. Give it some room. Uh, understand that like we are still in this human flesh. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're not a finished product. And so we all struggle with the reality of our flesh. So he says, make some room. Come on now. You know that, that you're not always the easiest person to live with. And you know, you need some space every once in a while. Give your spouse some room. Uh, give people some room. And I, I love that little expression. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. But instead of saying, no, 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 you just crossed a line with me. Nobody's going to say that to me. He says, no, 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 come on now. Make some room for that. Give some allowance for that. What a graciousness that is. How, how like Christ this, like, wow, give some room for. Okay, so what do we do? Well, when we respond with good for evil, we disarm the opposition. We live on a higher plane, which rises above retaliation. Number three, we prepare the way for a better future. We're preparing the way like, oh, the, the future for this, this is going to be good. The Bible says, Romans 12, 20, 
Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. You've all heard uh, you know, this expression. And you know that it doesn't mean, I'm going to burn your head off. Okay, it doesn't mean that. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kill you with kindness. Okay, that's not what it means. <clears throat> heap coals of fire. What we typically understand is this is the means by which their home's going to be warmed. There's going to be some... Have you ever had those... Some of you say, it's been a long time, but have you ever had those warm glows with your spouse? Like, wow, that's, that, that, there was some warmth about our interaction, our exchange. Something touching, something meaningful. Well, it's been a long time. Maybe, maybe it's because you haven't been practicing the good for evil. Do you know what good for evil does? When we start to think about, you know, what, what is it? It prepares the way for a better future. Like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be warming. This, this kind of like glow. Somebody just got some coals from your hearth and now they're going to be able to take that back. They carry everything, you know. They're, they're, going, to, they're going to take this back and they're going to warm their, their own hearth with what you just provided. So what are we doing? When we respond with a good for evil response, we've really like, wow, I'm setting, I'm setting the stage for a better future. That's a pleasant thing to think about. Like there's going to be some warm glow that takes place from our relationship because we're preparing the way. And then what's the last thing? And then and we're done. What happens when we respond with good for evil? We disarm the opposition, live on a higher plane, prepare the way for a better future. And lastly, we protect ourselves from being overcome. We actually protect ourselves. There's something that is self-protective. Now, when we respond with evil for evil, we feel like, oh, I got to stand up for myself. I have to protect myself. But did you know the real protection comes in responding with an, a good for evil response? You say, well, where do you get that from? Verse number um, 21, Romans chapter 12. Look again what it says. Be not overcome of evil. Whether that's the evil you're receiving or I would submit the evil that you are giving. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. Overcome evil with good. Like I am going to, I'm going to snuff this flame out. This is not going to burn me up. I am going to overcome something and here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to overcome that with good. And, and with that, it's no little hint of, you know, well, I'm, I'm the bigger, better person in this. It's not that. It's just, I'm going to be good to you like you were, as if you were just good to me. I'm bringing home the flowers, even though, man, that, that was not a flower response when I left this morning. Now I'm, I'm, I'm preparing something special and I'm, I'm going to love on like they had just loved on me. I'm going to respond to them as if it's a good for good. So I'm not trying to, you know, give this little good jab. I'm not trying to, to make sure they know I'm bigger than them on this. No, 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 no. I'm going to respond to them. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to put out this fire. I'm going to overcome the evil. And here's the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with something that's good. Um, the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Uh, Psalm 84, 11. 
What a wonderful thought. Like, wow, the Lord's a sun and shield. I like the balance of that, the sun that brightens my way, but the shield, like, oh, I'm, I'm not consumed by this. Grace and glory. The Lord will give grace and glory. Like grace, I, oh, I needed some strength beyond myself. Glory, oh, that was a little taste of heaven. What a balance. The Lord God's a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. And then he says, and here's the summation of this. He's not gonna hold any good thing back from you. When you say, I'm going to walk uprightly. I think our big fear about a good for evil is I'm going to be the loser on this. I'm going to lose because my spouse may not ever respond in the right way. Is, he, is your spouse the one that you're ultimately looking for your good from? If your spouse is the one you're ultimately looking for your good from, you, you are sadly looking to the wrong source. There is one who is good. That's what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. There's only one who is good and that's God. Why call ye me good? Really what Jesus is saying is, hey, I don't know that you know who I am, but, but I am God. Amen. When we start to look to him for our ultimate reward, you know, it frees us to be able to treat our spouse with goodness, even when they have treated us with evil. You know, the passage that, that is before us in Romans chapter 12 is really quite instructive. And this kind of lifestyle, I think it becomes real at home. I know we want to treat the people at work with, with a, a, a good for evil response. I know we want to treat the people at McDonald's or wherever. I know we want to treat them with good for evil. But let me tell you, it kind of rings hollow with the person you're standing at the counter with if they haven't seen it in your life with them. So let's, let's by God's grace, ask him to do a work of, of his likeness, of his Holy Spirit that produces in us something that can't be produced without his filling. And ask him to allow us to reflect a, a God who can hang on a cross and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do and that our lives would not be the summation of a good for good, although that's fine, that it wouldn't be an evil for good. That's certainly sad that it wouldn't even be just an evil for evil. You started it. I'm going to finish it. But by his grace, it would be a good even when we're the recipients of evil. Amen. Father, thank you for the example of Jesus Christ and then thank you for the examples of others who followed his example. It helps us understand that, that what Jesus did, we can reflect. May we continually be emptied of self so that we can be filled with your spirit. And Lord, may you deepen a likeness of Jesus in us that is seen first by our spouse that it's demonstrated in front of our families and then it goes far beyond the same. Thank you for, for helpful, practical truths that each of us can learn from and, and grow by. Lord, may we take truths home with us and may we put them into practice. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the truths learned from the Word of God will challenge your heart to a greater degree of love for God and a desire to make Him known through your life. Join us next time for our next sermon. Thank you and God bless.